right, what's going on, guys? You've got Evan Knowles here. We are in Awesome Inc. in Morgan Franklin's office again mm -hmm. with this awesome equipment that Logan has set up for us. Uh, so today's going to be an awesome episode. We've been wanting to get uh, one of our friends on who is currently an, a student at UK uh, building a startup called Reach Influencer Marketing. Uh, we've been doing some work with him with the boot camp. So we're going to talk about the boot camp. We're going to talk about what it means to start a company as a student. Uh, but also we're going to be talking about some, some nightlife stuff here in Lexington, which is exciting. and introduce him. His name's Landon Casey. Uh, and Landon, go ahead. Welcome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Evan. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be on here. I guess this is the, this is what, the third time we've, we've talked uh, via this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, so uh, he's referring to, we're doing some work with the boot camp and we're trying to highlight what it's like to go through the boot camp mm -hmm. with, uh, uh, you know, everybody going through there from idea stage to pitches to the end of the boot camp when they're finally uh, you know, at the end and deciding whether or not it's something they want to pursue yeah. full time, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, I think it's really cool that, that you guys are doing that um, so that way people can get a better sense of exactly, you know, kind of what all goes into it because I had I just heard about it, you know, um, prior, to, prior to going into it. And it's, it's honestly an incredible uh, program. The people that run it, uh, Miriam and, and Warren and Christine, they, uh, they do a really great job, and uh, I mean, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have gotten in touch with you all. So. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm glad for that. So yeah. let's jump into your background. Let's talk about, uh, you know, where you're from, uh, cool. education, hobbies growing up. Yeah. Get into it, man. Yeah, okay. So um, I'm actually from the middle of nowhere in, in western Kentucky, a small town called Hardensburg, Kentucky. Um, it's about an hour west of Louisville. And uh, if, if, if you've heard of anything from there, it, would, it might be Rough River Lake, um, which is uh, the lake that I grew up on. So I was really lucky. My lake house and my house house were about 10 minutes apart. <laughs> Why so, would you have two? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. We, uh, <laughs> I don't know. My, uh, <laughs> we had one that was like close to the big city of the county, which is Hardensburg, the big city. How, of 2, what's 000, the big city? 2,000 people. Oh, nice. That's, nice. <laughs> so that's big. Yeah, huge, right? And uh, it's the biggest, it's the biggest uh, city, you know, air quotes, um, in the town or in the county. And, uh, but then the... Um, the lake house was just given to my, it was just passed down through the family. And, yeah. uh, that, that kind of leads into, I guess what I'm obliged to talk about in my, uh, growing up in my past experiences was wakeboarding. And, uh, that was kind of my first real, real passion in life. I uh, started doing that when I was probably seven and very quickly, like won some, won some championships and, uh, and went, Pro, I rode uh, the Pro Wakeboard Tour in 2012, I believe. Um, so it was the summer before going into my freshman year of high school when I was wow. 14. Yeah. What does it mean to go on tour with that with that group around the United States or yeah, regionally? Yeah, it was it was around the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we, I guess the way it worked was at this at this time, um, I had been riding the divisions uh, that 
I think it was like 10 to 14-year-olds or something. It was the division before. And then once you were 14, you could then – like you were then allowed to, I guess, ride with the pros or at least try to ride with the pros. And uh, I actually got really lucky. I remember you had to – it's like anyone could kind of compete in the first couple stops of the tour, which were like in Orlando and then in um, uh, Georgia and then Texas. And – if you didn't get after like the first three stops, I think if you didn't get in the top 20, like your average or whatever in the top 20, then you got cut from the rest of the tour and you couldn't do it. And, yeah. uh, I'm not familiar with wakeboarding. I've, I can, I've gone wakeboarding twice and I haven't gotten up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what do you, what's like how you scored? What, talk about like what you're actually judged on. Yeah. So, um, it's funny. It's funny because when I was young, I was in a wakeboarding league called the INT league and they had, <laughs> It's kind of ridiculous looking back at it, but they had a handbook literally, and it had every single trick that you could put that you could do, and they all had a numerical quantitative value for the score that that trick would get you. Um, which I mean, it, it that kind of works out for uh, younger, uh, more intermediate, I guess, riders. But then once I switched to the WWA, the World Wakeboard Association. And started riding. Um, it's literally like three or four judges in the boat, and it's pretty much entirely subjective um, on based on style, technicality, um, and that's pretty much it. So, like, they're judging you on jumps, transitions. Like yeah, what? yeah, they're judging you basically on how many tricks you're doing, how the tricks look. It like a lot on how the tricks look. If you do... Like smooth. Like yeah. Smooth. Yeah, smooth. Yeah. Steezy, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard that that's word. A, that's, a, that's one of those land and one-liners you're talking about. <laughs> Steezy, maybe. Um, so, so, uh, but yeah. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say, Evan. You <laughs> you're all good. <laughs> so talk about uh, education. Like, Where'd you go to school? Yeah. What brought you to UK? Yeah, so I went to the grand old Breckenridge County High School, um, which it's literally the only high school in the county. I guess if there's anyone listening from home, I guess there is one more high school in the county, but that's Cloverports. We don't really count it. Yeah. Um, Why not? <laughs> it's just the rivalry. We just don't want to talk them about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we give them a hard time. They're an independent school district, like um, in a way off part of the galaxy county whatever <laughs> um but yeah so that's um actually it's it's funny the wakeboarding thing that story kind of leads into my education after my first year on tour um going into my my second i was training in florida um and it was actually on saint patrick's day and i snapped my femur in half wakeboarding um, damn did yeah. you hit something or what yeah well i was doing a trick uh, i was doing a toe side 900 and um, had tried a couple and got really close. And I told the boat driver one more time. My dad and I always joke about that. We're like, never say one more time. But <laughs> it's always when something goes wrong. But I did, and um, I just got really high and, and landed stiff-legged. And instead of my knees bending, um, ah, yeah, ah, my yeah. leg just snapped in half. So um, after that, the recovery process was, you know, um, kind of, I think it was about six months before I was back on the water and I tried to make a comeback and then I was like, oh, I hated this. Uh, you know, 
I got to the point where I was happier to get off the water and to take off my wakeboard than I was to to go out and, and do it. And so I actually like finally broke down and told my parents, you know, my whole life had been wakeboarding up until that point. But I told them I was like, I couldn't do it. I, I wasn't happy. And so um, that's when I started, uh, had a big shift in my life and started to focus on everything else. Like school, I was like, you know, I'm going to really, uh, I guess, dedicate my time and effort into uh, other things like school and, um, and honestly teaching myself um, everything. Yeah. I, I just had this realization. I remember when I was actually laying in bed with a broken, um, with, with my broken leg. I don't know if you know Casey Neistat. Yeah. yeah the yeah. YouTuber. Yep. But this was, this was like my freshman year of high school. And I remember I was like, what? It all just came together. I was watching Limitless um, for like one of the first times ever, which is just an epic I movie. Get you, get you pumped. Yeah, it got me pumped. I was like, oh man, maybe I can, if I just try hard, I can <laughs> yeah. open up some more of my brain. No. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I was watching a, a Casey Neistat video. I think it was one of those first ones he did for Nike. It's like, just do it or just move or something. And uh, I don't know. That's when I realized there's a lot more to life than, than wakeboarding. But I specifically remember a moment where that happened. And then uh, I did really well in high school. I graduated, like, second in, uh, in my class. Damn, that kid, Jared, that got first. But, <laughs> you know, um, I, was, I was nipping at his heels. Um, and uh, actually, I got, a, got the Singletary Scholarship to go to UK. Um, oh, yeah. I had wanted to go um, to Harvard or Stanford, but got waitlisted and turned down. And um, with the Singletary Scholarship, I couldn't really you know, deny UK. So... Um, ended up here, which and I've loved it. You know, I'm a senior now, uh, studying mechanical engineering. So, it's good. I mean, you know, like every engineer th th says, it's hard. Uh, but UK's great, Lexington's great. You know? Yeah. And uh, um, and I guess now it's it's my focus is just finishing. You know, school, getting through this. And then, uh, really, my focus is all shifted to my business. Yeah. Well, let's talk point. about, you know, when that came up, where the idea stemmed from. Uh, talk about the origin story of, of yeah. Reach. Of Reach. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I guess about two two uh, years ago, a couple changed, maybe a month or two, um, I had this idea. Uh, I remember, like, very vividly you know, where I was. I was, like, setting my lunch break and I would always set out in my car watching videos on my phone until the last second when I had to go go back into work uh, to be a bank teller and uh, I was sitting out there watching a TED talk that um, I have to find the exact one so I can start giving this guy the, the direct credit but it's about the five um, took into account five factors that made or broke startups oh yeah startups. yeah i've watched we, that one timing yeah, yeah. like timing yes um uh, okay. yeah exactly. i know what you're talking about okay, so he has all the one. dots on the yeah exactly yeah, so yeah. that's the that's the one i was i was watching and it found i don't know if you remember it, but that timing is by far the most important yeah yeah um factor yeah and so i got to thinking i was like you know, because I'd always been really entrepreneurial, um, and so I'd always had business ideas. and And my dad is is a is an awesome entrepreneur investor. And so, anyways, I had always had these ideas, um, and I I just got to thinking about well, what is it time for? You know, uh, this was what like 2017 or something, and it 
I, I just thought that about this market that was developing between um, businesses and influencers, you know, on social media, posting about and marketing, promoting their brands and services. And I knew that this, you know, was starting to happen. Like I knew that, you know, you see girls getting paid to post about bracelets and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no one facilitating this relationship. There's no mediary, you know, um, or brokerage, I guess. I thought, so, well, what if I made a software? What if there's a software that could do this? Um, and instead of these businesses having to informally, you know, search through and sift through uh, social media to find influencers they might like and then DM them and hope they respond and all um, I, I was like, well, what if we could just give them a centralized place where they could look up demographics they want, you know, and find influencers they want based on that, that they want to work with, yeah. um, and manage them. So that's, that's when I had the idea. Um, went, went to work on it immediately. I remember I told my dad, and it was the first idea, <laughs> business idea I'd ever had that he didn't just shoot down. You know, usually I, I'd tell him <laughs> something, he'd be like, oh. He'd be like, honest with you. Yeah, it, it, he would be honest with me, and it was great, and I loved it. But I remember we sat there that whole night trying to tear it down, you know, just like, why wouldn't it work? Why wouldn't it work? And uh, to be honest, I've spent the past, you know, two and a half years trying to figure that out, and uh, I, I still think it's a win-win yeah. for, for everyone. Yeah, I think it's interesting because there, there definitely are platforms that, that do that, but you're taking uh, maybe a little bit different approach, right? Yeah. Are you going after the lower market, oh, yeah. smaller influencers that are mm -hmm. localized, right? Yes. A little bit for now, for at least for now. Yes. Yeah. I, th I thought that was interesting because I think there is definitely a market, um, you know, for localized influencers that don't, maybe not, maybe they don't even know they could be an influencer, Ex right? Exactly. So it's like there's this market for college students or maybe even high school students that have a decent amount of followers. Maybe it could be 1,500 followers to 3,000. Not not a whole lot, but at the end of the day, on a localized level, that could be pretty beneficial for a business, right? So exactly. talk about like how you're targeting these influencers that might be smaller. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, that was kind of a pivot that we had to to take on yeah, um, yeah. because at first uh, I, I started this process and um, started development, and that was a. Very to get it actually underway was a long process. We'll touch on that in a second. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but shoot, what exactly? What exactly were you asking? Yeah, so it's like you know you're, you're targeting these, oh, these influencers oh, the that are not the, not the big ones, micro micro yeah. influencers. Yeah, so that was the pivot we took. Um, yeah. I was informed that uh, going after kind of the micro influencer uh, thing that that was already kind of saturated and. I was probably a little behind. So I was told I needed to pivot. And I thought, well, there's no one really doing this for micro-influencers. And so a micro-influencer would just be someone that I, I like to say just your average Joes on social media, you know, on Instagram. Someone with, you know, maybe 1,000 followers, maybe 3,000, 2,000, whatever. Um, I decided that, well, hey, what if we, like you said, people that don't even know that they could be influencers, because that word has grown to have this connotation of – like Kylie, Kylie Jenner, Jenner. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think I, I think I made a PowerPoint uh, about Reach one time, and I, I put something about Kylie Jenner being a macro. <laughs> I mean, you know, but she is the the stereotypical. She's um, a billionaire because she's an influencer. Exactly, so exactly. Because of her name, because so of her brand. In the in the influencer marketing world is a, is a multi billion dollar uh, you know industry and yeah, it's yeah. growing very rapidly. 
and uh, and there's no one uh, there. So there are some companies doing it for the macro influencers, for yeah. the big brands, uh, big companies. But I looked and there was like no one really doing it for micro influencers or smaller um, companies and for smaller companies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I decided, well, that's that's what I wanted to do because micro influencers, the engagement rates that they offer, you know, on average are like two to three, four times higher. Yeah, I imagine um, so. Yeah, than the, yeah. the engagement rates of macro influencers who you're spending, you know, massive amounts of money on. You could pay, you know, someone that has 100,000 followers like $5,000 for a post. Yeah, well, it's also a unique market, not only from the influencer's perspective, but from the business's perspective because they do need that broker because a lot of these businesses probably have some kind of awareness to influencer marketing maybe. Yeah. Probably yeah. chances are they don't. Yeah, honestly they so, don't. Yeah. <laughs> especially especially probably in like Kentucky, in Kentucky, right? Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there does there probably does need to be a broker a brokerage air quotes around that yeah. for this this idea, right? Yes, yes. I think it's uh I think it's really great, you know, it's and it's been funny. So we uh over the past uh, year have have been really doing the serious development just actually finished up should be i actually just got an email today that we should really be up and live next week which so is super real quick super talk about super. how you approach development you said it was tough yeah because you're not technical you don't know how to code yeah you don't know how no, to build, no, know how to build a platform talk about how you went about that yeah cool so i um you know i i love i love uh math and science i know a little bit about you know software but I, i'm really not well versed in it so in the beginning, when I had the idea, I went to a good friend of mine, uh, still a great friend of mine, uh, Mr. Alex Keys, and uh, I told him he, he's a graphic designer, and I knew that he knew quite a bit of coding and stuff, so I said, hey, Alex, uh, he's also a fraternity brother of mine at the time, and I said, hey, uh, I've got this idea, I told him about it, you know, I said, I'll, I'll pay you whatever you want to, to, to build it, and is that possible? And he was like... Yeah, that is. Um, and then basically, uh, some time went by, and we were both just just busy, and really, we we didn't get anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I thought that uh, you know, Alex, if you're listening, I love you, but I thought that um, that it, just me and him were going to be able to do it, and we didn't realize how 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 much bigger it was than that, and that yeah. we needed. Um, like a real team to do yeah. this. Um, so anyway, some time passed with that. And uh, after that, I said, I went to my dad, who is, without my dad, none of this would be possible. He's really guided me kind of. And uh, and went to him and I was like, Dad, we got to figure out something uh, to, to make this happen. And so that's when I started talking to development companies, you know, and uh, found... Found a development company uh, out of New York that I wanted to work with, and and that was about a year and a few months ago, a year and a half ago, and um, they've been great. You know, it's been it it's tough sometimes communicating um, because yeah. our our developers are all around the world, and so coordinating the times and stuff is weird. But uh, they they've done a great job, and we just finished our um, I guess minimum viable product of sorts you know yeah, the, yeah. the first version of the app uh just got done and then um then actually going to be moving development closer to home yeah. closer to uh exactly where we're at right now i think yeah so it's, it's important it's yeah. it's definitely important to have that uh yeah. at least some of the team local, yeah right Ex exactly you know i wanted to be able to 
because right now, literally everyone I deal with uh, with this development company is a phone call, a Skype, or you know, Zoom. Yeah. It, it's it's never in person ever, yeah. and there's just something really different about in person. Yeah, and I do think business is moving more remote, which uh, you know is just I think a natural transition. And I think yeah. if anything's going to be remote, it's going to be development uh, and some other things. But it's definitely important to yeah. have you know localized talent that you can re- refer refer to and, and work with. Um, and just, you know, if you need something, they're right there. Exactly. Right. Um, talk about, <clears throat> you know, clients. Do you have any clients? Yeah. Uh, what's the biz dev side of this look like? Yeah, so um, that that was some, that was something I was so scared of for a long time. I was like, well, how am I going to how am I gonna get people on board with this? You know, I have no proof that Reach works. I can I, – I know it does. I know it will, but I have no proof. And so, actually, um, Matt Dawson – uh, he's a, he's a doctor here in Lexington and one of the one of the owners of the Kentucky Castle and uh, some other really cool companies a company called Wild Health. Um, I was at a dinner with Matt about a uh, it was like January of this year and uh, didn't even know it was him I was talking to but got on the subject of reach and he started talking about you know how he had worked with influencers um, in the past couple years with his businesses and seeing dramatic, you know, success. Uh, and, and he told me just, we were sitting in the middle of dinner and he was like, yeah, so I've got five companies right now that I want to sign up. And I was like, I, you know, at this point I don't even have the software anywhere done near done. And, but I was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so from that point on, I realized, well, before that, I realized that we were going to have to do a beta trial, you know. And so um, the way it works with, with him and our first few clients is for this first six months of it being live, they'll get to use it for free. And uh, we'll get their feedback, and we'll just be fine-tuning it, seeing what we can do better. And then hopefully after that, um, you know, within the next year, take like really take it to market. Um, we've got we've got some – some really big uh, I, I won't I can't talk any specifics but got some really big deals um, in the works and you know potentially I've uh, been talking to some potentially really big clients that would um, I, let's just say I would be more ecstatic than I have been about almost anything um, if some of these clients you know if I get them on board and and that would really uh, it would really expedite the process for reach and the growth. I think. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the one of the clients. I don't know if you can talk about them. They're yeah, yeah. Uh, a club in town, new club in town. Can you talk about them? Can I mention them? Uh, which which? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Roxy. The Roxy. The Roxy. Okay. We're All right. Talk about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So I'm a big. <laughs> I, I want to talk about this because yeah. we've had an episode on this podcast about the nightlife in Lexington. I think that's important for if you're building a, a city that attracts talent and young talent. Exactly. I think of the nightlife and. You know, the, the downtown scene is important. The culture mm-hmm. of a city is important. Yeah. So I think it's a unique opportunity with this episode to talk about that because there's a tie-in to, you know, the nightlife here. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of, of clubs. Yeah, me too. Oh, uh, yeah. I like, yeah, I know I like going to clubs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so it's like I'm glad. And one thing that sucks is there's only been one since I've been in Lexington that's really been here. You know, Hugo's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I go there, and every time I'm a little bit disappointed. Every it's a time. small. Every you know, time. A, you know, there's all kinds of little things you can nitpick. No, I know, you know whether I Whether it's know, a DJ yeah. and, you know, people that follow me on Twitter have seen some, you know, probably some <laughs> some tweets that I've put out. But it's just like, 
you know, it kind of pisses me off. So I'm glad there's, yeah, yeah. I'm glad there's another club in town that uh, can give some competition. Well, yeah, good. I'm glad to. Uh, I guess I'll just. I guess I can just talk a little bit about the Roxy now yeah, that, that we've segued into it. Um, I'm not like a club head either. I don't go to the club every weekend. Yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. But I, I, I don't like know. clubs. I don't know. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I know what you're saying. I um, I really, I'm really not even a big club guy either. I, yeah. I enjoy it, but I'm not there. You know, every weekend, or yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah, so so that's another one of my clients. That's one that I that I can talk about. Um, the Roxy uh, here in downtown Lexington. Um, which has been, I don't know when they originally opened. It was not too long ago. It was maybe right. like a year and a half ago, two years. I remember when. You think? No, dude, it was at least, it was at least three because I know that the Roxy, the way, you know, the old speakeasy version yeah, of yeah, it yeah. was like there when I was a freshman. I know. Okay. Maybe they did a rebrand or something at one point. I think that, yeah, I think they've had multiple rebrands. I think that when they rebranded it, the Roxy. I think the Roxy brand think, has not been around I that think long, I feel the, like. I think it was the Roxy, and then it was the Quiet Please thing, and then the Roxy again, and now it's mm, okay. the, the new Roxy. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> but but um, I just I got really lucky to get in touch with the owner of uh, with the owner of it. His name's Ryan Foster. Yeah, he's uh, actually a mentor of mine. Really, with, really. On Ryan's, the real estate side, yeah. Ryan's an awesome guy. He is. Uh, I like Ryan a lot. He's really low-key. Yeah, he is which really he, he Which is he, really I key. think he wants. I think that's kind of what, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he kind of wants that. But yeah, I think he's a so great too. Guy. He is a great guy, man. So I, I met Ryan uh, through my through my actually my previous business partner, um, and it was probably this summer or, or something. And he, my my business partner at the time, was like, "Yeah, look, you know, the Roxy downtown. They just uh, closed for a little bit, and they're trying to rebrand and, and turn into an EDM club." And I said, well, that sounds awesome. You know, let's go talk to him. So we went and met up with, with Ryan and told him about Reach, you know, told him how how great it could be for something like what he's doing. Because, you know, so with influencer marketing, there are some specific, excuse me, there are some uh, specific industries that really benefit most from it. You know, like you, whenever you think of influencer marketing, you think like fitness or you think uh, girls uh, fashion. fashion? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and events, probably. Yes, and That's events, and venues, events, yeah. and venues, restaurants, bars, and stuff. So I told Ryan that I said, "Look, you know, I can." I, I told him I was very confident that I could get. You could fill the would, place up. Yes, I could fill the place up, and uh, so as things got closer, he also kind of enlisted our help to with some other things and kind of transforming this club, which was really fun to get to see what goes into it and um then uh, what when was that the launch party um, like two three weeks ago two or three weeks ago yeah we uh it all finally came together it was on november 1st uh we had my company's launch party there uh on the on the opening night with dj glitter tits out of playing. louisville yeah out of louisville who's actually playing tonight um where at, at roxy what um yeah they're the house dj every thursday now at the Roxy, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So and, and and guys, yeah. So we'll pop so, over there here in a yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're we're gonna have to <laughs> after this Hopcat. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so the Roxy is uh, it basically um, before you know, not trying to say I did a a, a bar rescue or anything because it yeah. wasn't just me. There was yeah. a lot of people that worked on this, and and Ryan really really worked hard on it, but. He told me this is some something I'm really proud of. 
he said, you know, we're not marketing this any other way than through you. Like, yeah. you're the only, you're responsible for making sure people know about this. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so I, I really was like, okay, yeah, I can guarantee you that people are going to be there. And then you saw the opening weekend. Yeah, I waited 45 minutes in line, man. <laughs> exactly. See, I mean, I, I had to, to, I had to it, check I it out. It. Yeah. yeah, I had to. I was yeah. really excited. I was, you know, that's probably the one time I can say I was really excited to wait in line. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, lo- I love Ryan as a great guy. Yeah. I knew you were putting on the party. Yeah. I knew, you know, the DJs that were going to be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, it was really awesome. It is. To see it that is. For the and city so of I hope you had a good time, too. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's so cool in there. Like, yeah. like the, the pit kind of down here, you know, when you walk in, it's. It's a really cool feeling, guys. I would I would recommend you know anyone that that is listening to this if you even if you don't like EDM music, electronic music that much, uh, or, or clubs that much, you know check it out sometime. It's uh, it's really I think going to transform and already has transformed kind of nightlife in Lexington. Yeah. Uh, because I know a lot of students, specifically what Ryan wanted to target were students. He was like, you know, do you think we can get students out here to this? I said, yes, dude. You know, people <clears throat> in bigger cities and, and in, even in Louisville, they have a few places uh, where they can go, these kids can go, and rage, I mean, yeah, to, yeah. to electronic music, you yeah. know. And most cities do. Yeah. And we needed something like that, and the Roxy is uh, is serving that purpose. Yeah, so. for sure. And he was out there slinging. He was bartending. Yeah, yeah, right. I walked in there, and I'm like, hell yes. <laughs> yes, I know. Awesome. He's I, He works – his he works so off, hard, man. man. He, yeah. he really does. So I've got a lot of respect for Ryan. And, uh, and, and what, you know, another way you can tell that it's kind of, you know, changing the way that people are approaching nightlife is just the way people are dressing, honestly. That's yeah. another thing to look at. Cause it's mm-hmm. like the clubs in L.A., people come out full makeup, fashion. They pull out all the stops. Yeah, yeah. They, same thing in Vegas, same thing in Miami. Yeah. You know, the places I've been and, and, and seen, like, the real, you know, club scenes. Yeah. And, I mean, people were coming out and dressing as best they could, yeah. which normally doesn't happen at the bars. At yeah. Least, at least with the kind of stuff you would wear to a club, right? Exactly. So exactly. Like, I was, I was so, waiting in line, and it was impressive. I was I was so excited. Uh, I don't know if you saw what I wore on, on the opening night, but I, I, <laughs> I was literally so excited. It was such a big day for me. You know, I've been waiting for this, <laughs> this to happen for forever, so I call my mom. I'm like, I'm like, Mom, like, you know, I'm a broke college kid, so I, I'm like, I'm like living on ramen noodles and, and whatnot. But I, I was like, Mom, you know, tonight's a big night. Like, I gotta, I'm gonna go by like, uh, TJ or um, like Dillard's or something or Macy's and get, get something to wear. And I walk, I walked in. I was like in there for about ten minutes. I look on the clearance rack, like sixty percent off. I, have. <laughs> I, I see this like, because I was, I was torn with what to wear because it was a, it was a Halloween party. So everyone was invited to wear the Halloween costumes, but like it was a business event for me, but I wanted to be festive, you know, so tough life. I know. <laughs> and, uh, so, but I, I looked up and I immediately saw this white, this all white suit with like little reflective skull heads on it. And, uh, dude, the whole thing was like 70 bucks or something. It should have been like, I think it was marked down from like two fifty or just yeah. something crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, so that's what I got, and I, I wore it, and I was feeling I was feeling pretty flashy, like I was in yeah. L.A. or yeah, or yeah something. that's cool, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Again, I just think nightlife is is an important part of building a culture, whether yeah. people realize it or not. Whether it you is. like nightlife or not, whether you go to the bars, it's important it, it because is. people that come from larger markets, 
that's part of their lifestyle. Exactly. Whether you like it or not, again, yeah. it's just part of it. You know, it's, it, it's part of having something to do in a city. It is. It is. And like you said, bringing in younger and younger people. Um, yeah. And, and which Lexington is, I love, I'm so glad that I'm here right now, yeah. you know, because I feel like there's a lot of awesome stuff. Like what, like what you guys are doing is a perfect example of the awesome stuff going on here in Lexington um, for people like us and, and, I guess not just people like us, but in the entrepreneurship, you know, community and in the startup community, but it's really good for everyone uh, here in Lexington, Yeah, the, the whole community. So it's good to see. 